Hello? <laughs> Shut your pie hole. This is Big Demi Energy, and this is Demi. I've had a wonderful week. I actually did something crazy that I never thought I would do. I made a dream come true this week. I got asked to be on WWE Monday Night Raw, and I couldn't even believe it whenever they asked me to. And I went, got coronavirus tested, negative again. That's like the fourth test I've taken, negative because I wear my mask and I wash my hands. And I got to see wrestling in real life. And I got to be a part of the show. And it was incredible and amazing. And I can't wait to be back whenever that might be, if that might be. I really hope they ask for me back. I used to watch wrestling all the time before The Bachelor. Like after The Bachelor, I got so busy, I kind of like stopped watching any TV at all. But... I've been keeping up with it now again, and I had a little part. It's just so bizarre to me that I got to be a part of that. I never thought I would actually get to be on, and I always wanted to be a WWE superstar. And who knows? Maybe maybe that'll happen. I mean, I don't know. Can you see my little shrimp ass getting thrown around in the ring? I can see it. I would still love it, though. It was absolutely incredible honestly a a total dream come true for me I was like damn I made it like I'm doing it and they were all so nice everybody was so nice to me it was an incredible experience I had no complaints at all I would love to go back anytime and I hope they will have me That's pretty much, like, all I have. Uh, I spent a lot of time with Hannah and Dylan in Wisconsin, and I had a blast with them. We went to Dylan's lake house, and me and Hannah just acted like a bunch of idiots for a week. But it was so refreshing for me because I needed that. I was going through such a bad breakup, and, like, I know that it's been a while since it happened, but I still am, like communicating and like ah, I just don't even know what I'm doing and I needed something to get me back to myself and that was the perfect way to do it she completely took me out of the funk I was in and we just had so much fun we laughed constantly you know those friends that you can sit there on a bed and talk to for hours and hours and you don't get sick of each other and you can just sit there and laugh and make fun of each other and have the best time. That's exactly what we did. And I miss her so much already. Like I need her to be around me at all times because she takes away so much of my anxiety because she just makes me laugh and makes me feel like everything's going to be okay and makes me feel like I'm not a total spaz because she's a spaz with me. It was so funny one night. This is kind of embarrassing. But one night I kept tooting. I'm so embarrassed to say this. But I kept tooting. And she has all these funny videos of me. And and all these videos, it's like me doing a cartwheel tooting. Me walking down the hallway tooting. I was just a little gassy, you know. And 
we I like reviewed them the next day with her and I was dying laughing. And then this bitch tried to play them in front of people. And I was like, please stop. You're embarrassing me. And she did. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe I should not talk about my tootiness. But you know what? It happens sometimes. It does. We ate really good. We had amazing laughs. We drank a lot. And it was the most amazing trip I've taken in a long time. And I have only her company to thank. As in like her company, personal company, not her like work company. If that makes sense. Like I have her to thank. I don't know why I had to throw a company in there. And Dylan's family is amazing. His mom is the best. She had some of her friends come in. And it was just the kids and the grown-ups all over again. And everybody was having a great time. So I've been traveling a little bit um, very safely. And again, negative for corona. I've been getting tested a lot. And I've noticed with the airlines, my favorite airline is Delta. The Delta airline people are so nice. And I'm like, no wonder Pilot Pete works for Delta. They're so sweet and like so kind to me. The other airlines, I was like, wow, like I'm I'm so lost. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, how do I do this with the whole COVID thing going on? Like, what are the different rules? And nobody wants to talk to me, but I get it. Like, I know you probably have a lot of people asking you this and you're doing your job. I understand being irritable, but I worked in customer service. So whenever I get good customer service, I'm like, I f with you. I'm into this. This is I respect this because I know that you have a choice to be rude or nice to a customer. And even whenever you've been working a long, hard day, I've been there. You have to choose to be polite. And so Delta is where it's at. I don't know if I'll ever fly anything again, except I got a lot of miles with American. I'm very excited about today's guest. It is Sharna Burgess. I'm actually not sure how to say her last name, but she is incredible. Uh, I have seen her before whenever I was at Dancing with the Stars, and she's a pro dancer. She won with Bobby Bones. She has a YouTube channel and a really funny TikTok, and her Instagram is amazing, too. And the best part about it is you can see all of her links on her Instagram if you go to it. She has, like, the link in her bio. You click on that, and it's, like, a website that shows, like, her blog, a link to her blog, a link to her TikTok, a link to her YouTube and she is so funny. She is so real. And she has very, very good advice. So I really, really advise y'all to check it out because I was looking at it and I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to be more like her. And I don't want to be like anyone most of the time. And I want to be like her. So I'm really excited to get to know her. This is the first time we're chatting. So let's get to it. Let's welcome Miss Sharna Burgess. Hi, Sharna. I am so excited to be talking to you today. I think that I saw you a couple of times backstage at Dancing with the Stars, but I probably was just like waving and smiling and like, hi, because I get like really nervous around pretty people. Do you remember seeing me? <laughs> I do remember seeing you there. You're so sweet. Um, I do remember seeing there a few times. It was Hannah's season, right? Yeah, I was. I was uh, I was backstage most of the time that that season because I wasn't competing, but I definitely remember seeing your beautiful face. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you so much. Um, why weren't you competing? 
I actually wasn't on the last season of Dancing with the Stars. After nine years with them, it wasn't my choice. They were changing things up. I'd won the previous season with Bobby Bones, which was amazing. Uh, but everything happens for a reason. You know what I mean? It came at the right time. I, you know, I, again, after like nine straight years, it was it was kind of awesome to be able to try other things and start other projects. And um, it was, I wouldn't say blessing in disguise. I missed the show terribly. Uh, but I accept the, uni- the, the universe's lessons and uh, took it in stride and tried to do other things. I remember hearing about you winning the season with Bobby Bones and stuff. And then I heard you were also like a runner up a few times. So you're obviously a very, very talented dancer. Like, how did you get into dancing? Because it's really hard. I, I know how, like Max one time taught me how to do the salsa and that's it. And that I don't even remember how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> salsa can be confusing because it's so it's so free almost. It can be so many things. But um, how did I get into dancing? I was a kid that grew up in a country town and I was into everything. I was in sports. I was in all forms of dance. My parents genuinely just kept me busy. And I loved being active. Uh, that was when I was growing up in Wagga Wagga in Australia. It was a cute little town. Um, and then when we moved to Sydney, we couldn't afford to keep up with everything. I was 13 at the time and I was doing so well at ballroom dancing that we decided to stick with the one. Of course, it's the most expensive out of all the things that I was doing, <laughs> but we stuck with ballroom dancing and I was, I was really lucky. I went to, and I worked really hard, but I represented Australia at the world championships when I was 15. I was traveling all over the world competing. Uh, and that took me over to London because that's where it was at the time. And, all the moves I made somehow landed me in television. I thought I was going to be a champion ballroom dancer and own a dance studio back in Australia. Had no idea I'd be ending up in Hollywood and on TV. So it's kind of wild how dancing got me here. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. I'm so impressed by you. Um, I I took a ballroom dancing class one time and uh, it was so fun. I was really young and I just did it for fun out of nowhere. And I only thing I re- can remember is the tango because like, I don't even know if this is correct, but I just remember because it was like the steps were T-A-N-G-O. Is that how I it- love that. I've never taught with this method. I need to know this method. <laughs> well, I mean, who knows if it was even that good because I was like in the middle of like bum f- California, like it was the most random place. Um, but I just remember that. And I think it's really impressive. Um, what do you like? What is your favorite dance to do? Actually, it's tango. Argentine tango, to be specific. There's two different types. There's the more um, structured ballroom competition tango that we call standard. Uh, but then there's also Argentine tango, which is just it's so delicious to dance and so much fun. It's difficult too, but it's just Oh, I think it's the sexiest of all the dancers, to be honest. Well, I love that. I love sexy. Mm-hmm. We love sexy. <laughs> yes. Wireless earbuds have changed the game. But whether you're working out or working from home, you want what you're listening to to be what you are listening to, not what the people around you are listening to. Everyone needs a pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go and buy a super expensive pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands you know. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are the best ones yet, with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice, noise-isolating fit. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, perfect for work calls or binging podcasts, like mine. Raycon earbuds changed the game for me because they fit so perfectly in my ears. 
I use wireless earbuds a lot, but these are my favorite. I can dance around my room listening to music, and my Raycon earbuds always stay perfectly put. Unlike some of the other wireless options out there, Raycon earbuds look so stylish and discreet, with no dangling wires or stems to get in the way. I can do video calls without having any distracting wires when I use my Raycon earbuds. The company was co-founded by Ray J, and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Mike Tyson, and Rich the Kid are obsessed with Raycons. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Demi. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash Demi for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash Demi. So I'm sure you'd like talk about dancing and stuff all of the time. So I want to talk about other things about you because I was checking out your YouTube and your Instagram and I am so blown away by all the things you do. You have a funny TikTok and you have a YouTube channel and I was looking at it and I was noticing that you're really into makeup and like you were like doing like some makeup tutorials and I love makeup and I know that the listeners love to hear about makeup and stuff. So I want to know like what your favorite products are. What are your go-tos? I want to know the like things that if you're traveling, you're bringing those specific products. I am a huge on makeup and skincare. And to be honest, it always changes because I'm always trying new things. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I, I love a lot of Tarte products for eyeshadows. Eyeshadows, I think they have some beautiful oh, yeah. stuff. Um, they also have a collagen serum that I'm super in love with. Uh, and some of their brushes are great too. I also love It Cosmetics for their brushes. They are just so stunning in the way they apply makeup. Foundation, I'm a Laura Mercier kind of lover, um, but I also like a Born This Way sculpting cream if I'm doing like the contouring and, and whatnot. I, my makeup drawers are so jam-packed full of different products that I just love to try. Uh, for skincare, I love SkinCeuticals. It's a big brand. Tatcha is another brand that I really like. But again, it changes all the time. Yeah, I know. I'm a makeup junkie and a skincare junkie too. So whenever you – because I'm really into like foundations right now and like concealers because I don't know what happened, but I look back at old pictures of me and stuff and I'm like, what am I doing differently now? Because I don't look the same and I feel like I look so much better back then and I'm like, what was I using? I can't remember. So what Laura Mercier foundation are you using and like what concealer do you use? So the, my favorite concealer right now is um, at the NARS Pot. I really, really like that one. It, it's an in-between a heavy coverage and something sort of light medium. It doesn't look too cakey on your face. Uh, and it's really beautiful. It's, in a, it's the NARS Pot Concealer. For foundation with Laura Mercier, I can't remember the name of it, but it's their full coverage one. Uh, and I'll get that. And then I also, my other absolute favorite, probably more than Laura Mercier, it's Clinique Beyond Perfecting. Their foundation is legit. It is so amazing. But for me, what I'll do is because I buy the full coverage, I will mix it in with sunscreen if I want it to be lighter. So instead of buying yes. heavy and light, yeah, I just get the, the same one and I mix it in with some 50 plus sunscreen because also not all of them have high level sunscreens in them and it thins them out a little bit so if I need full coverage for an event or something that I'm doing I can have it but then throughout the day I can just mix it in I actually pre-mix little pots so I already have it ready to go and just a bit organized but uh, pre-mix little pots of it so I can blend it in for the thickness and the coverage and the stuff that I want but it's been a game changer doing that because otherwise I would have like 
piles of different foundations for different types of coverage. And then, you know, when we tan in summer or when, you know, depending on what color we are. And I just learned to mix and match things to make the most out of everything. I love that. That is so genius, actually. I'm going to have to do that because I've been trying to mix uh, the Laura Mercier tinted moisturizer with my full coverage like NARS foundations that I use. But I, it's like too much. It's like I need it to be a little bit thinner. So that makes sense to just do it with the sunscreen. And essentially, you're kind of making your own like tinted moisturizer. And it's a game changer. And that, that way you can get like a 50 plus sunscreen that you know is really good. And then you mix it in with your foundation. It's going to be great. But I do love their tinted moisturizer. Laura Mercier's tinted moisturizer is beautiful. Oh, my gosh. It's so good whenever I'm pretending like I don't have makeup on. I know, right? <laughs> like, I woke up like this. <laughs> yeah, I just, like, take a beauty blender and I just, like, put it on. And, like, my ex-boyfriend, he's always like, you look so beautiful with no makeup. And I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> um. So speaking of, like, skincare with the sunscreen and stuff, so you named some brands that you like. Have you ever tried Drunk Elephant? Because that's, like, my religion. I love Drunk Elephant stuff, but I'm also terrible about my skincare. I, like, I'm literally wearing yesterday's makeup up right now I'm, don't I'm, do it I'm have just, you not heard about the actual like bugs that live in you live on your skin um there there are actual mites that if you sleep with no. makeup on no, no joke girl when my mom told me this I didn't believe her and then she sent me like articles on this stuff with like actual diagrams <laughs> and pictures under microscopes of these mites that will get into your skin and live on your skin especially if you with the dirt and grime. So if you don't wash your makeup up, don't think about it as just being lazy. You've literally got mites and bugs on your skin. While you Stop sleep. it. Don't tell the listeners that. You'll <laughs> never do it again, though, will you? You'll wash your face. Now I wash my face religiously every night because the thought of it makes my skin crawl. Whenever you wash your face, are you washing the mites off? Do they come off? Yes. So oh you're getting God. the dirt and the grime off your face, so you're washing off these mites. And I think we naturally... Like within your skin, you have living things. I'm going to say this wrong. People should definitely Google it, but it's a real thing. But when you wash your face, you're cleaning off all the dirt and the grime from the day, which also means you're cleaning off these mites that also live on your skin. It's wild. When she I'm showed me, I was so grossed out. I'm about to do a chemical peel tonight. That's it. <laughs> Every night. Um, <laughs> but uh, to answer your question about drunk elephant, I the only thing that I've used is I think their water cream. I got given a little pot at Sephora because you know i they when they give away the little um minis and it was amazing it was such a good moisturizer and i've never thought about actually buying it every time i go in i go back to like the ones that i know but i'm definitely gonna think about that one next yes it's it's really good stuff i just like the cleanser because it i feel like it really like strips my face and like it gets everything off um and also i have um i know somebody that works there and they would probably gift you some so i could talk to oh yes let me know they love you- a good gifting of skincare me too because it's good skincare and it changed my life so in your skincare routine do you have you ever tried or do you use retinol at all I do now. I got told to. It's My skin is funny with it. Like it can really dry me out. And I noticed that if I do use it too often, like more than once or twice a week, when I put makeup on, I have that dry, like flaky skin on my forehead. Oh, I hate that. I have that. It's right. the worst. And you can't cover it. Like you, you may as well at that point just wear no makeup because makeup makes it look worse. Um, but I've, I've, I think it's, Revue skin. I've got a good retinol that I got from my dermatologist that has been pretty good. But again, I only use it once or twice a week. That's as much as I can do. I use it just like under the eyes here 
and over the lid and then on my forehead a bit. But it is it is apparently we need it. <laughs> I know. I hear like so many good things about it, but I guess I just don't do it enough like religiously. Like whenever I do use it, same as you, like I get really dry. And so I was using it like once a week and then I just like kind of fell off of it. Um, but I don't know. I, I just need like Botox or something. <laughs> no, no, you don't at all. But you know what has been an actual game changer for me is microneedling. Like every two weeks, I do it myself. You can buy the little micro needles. You can get numbing uh, sprays yourself off Amazon. Make sure you then have really yummy, good skincare products to put on afterwards and nourish yourself for the next few days. But every like every two weeks, I'll do a micro needling, and you just look sunburned the next day. And also, you don't go as deep as like what your dermatologist would do because they have the heavy duty stuff. But it just keeps your skin looking plump and having the collagen growing underneath. And I I learned to do all these things because I struggled with really bad cystic acne and have still got some scarring, but went through laser after laser treatment of that full ablative, like take your whole face off kind of stuff. Can't see anyone for 10 days. And it's unbelievable, but it's expensive and time consuming. So in the off times when I'm doing it, I, my dermatologist said micro needle yourself at home every couple of weeks. And it's really, really great. You know, I have no idea about any of this. I honestly, I've never had a facial before. Really? Well, before you do Botox, girl, do these other things before you put Uh, anything into your skin. You're teaching me so much. I have no idea. what. So what does this microneedling do exactly? You said it like promotes the collagen to like... The the theory is that it does little micro tears and damages to the skin that then your collagen works to repair. So it it's insisting on your collagen that as we get older goes dormant. It's it's forcing it to become more active to repair these tiny little um, damages, so to speak. Wrong word, but you know what I mean. These in like these punctures that you've done with the derma rolling. So that's waking up dormant collagen underneath your skin and bringing the blood to the surface and promoting healing. So they're all the things we need to help with elasticity, uh, to keep our skin great and looking the way that it does, and also for regenerating scarring and to help with um, pigmentation. There's a whole bunch of things that it really, really helps with. That's another thing, pigmentation. Uh, So like, You can't tell right now because I have on this leftover makeup that's really, really cakey. But I get it on like my almost the apples in my cheeks. Like it looks like almost rosacea. Like what do you do for rosacea? Oh, I've never had rosacea, but there are certainly like light. I am lucky in that sense. We all have our things. You know what I mean? Oh, Uh, yeah. But we I've never had rosacea, but I believe there are lasers that you can do to help with it. But I don't. I'm speaking out of turn though to be honest because I've never really experienced it and treated it but um I know that it's not fun for a lot of people that go through it which is really really tough and hard to get rid of from what I understand yeah um it's it's interesting it's blood vessels and all that stuff is so weird like I have like one sorry my cats are going crazy right now I have one you have cats I love that yes they're being bad they're all active right now. I'm like, go back to sleep, guys. Um, I have like a little tiny spot on my leg of where I like have started to have like uh, spider veins. I think they're like varicose veins or something like that. Have you ever had anything like that? I have them and I've been meaning to book in to go get the laser that makes them go away. There's a laser that will go in and it basically breaks up the blood or whatever it is that's gotten under the skin and, and stopped where it is to create this vein. And so it goes in and it just breaks it up and pushes it out. Little spider veins. Yeah, I've got them. 
They've got a laser for everything these days. They do. They literally have a laser for everything. You just need a million dollars to be able to do it all. That's all. <laughs> oh my gosh. Who's got that? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's so true though. You start a GoFundMe. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Go fund me so I can stay young forever. <laughs> right? I'm so scared of getting old. Like, I mean, I'm not like, I'm going to enjoy it and whatever, but it's just like, oh no, I want to be a kid. Like, I want to be young forever. I'm not even a kid anymore and I still pretend I'm 17. It's also like, I think we still feel like kids. Like, I certainly don't feel 35. You know what I mean? I still feel 25 most of the time, most of the time. <laughs> um, and so, I, you know, I forget my age and I... I don't, I don't want to remember it. Not, not that I think it's old, but I don't think age should be a concern. But certainly when you wake up some days and you look in the mirror and you're like, dang it, I look my age today. <laughs> That's when it sucks. Damn it. <laughs> I feel like our generation and stuff, like we are, we're all kind of like that. We all don't feel our age. And we always thought that whenever we get to the age that we're at or like the age that we saw as like being a grown up, we were going to feel completely different. And it's like, Nah, like age doesn't matter anymore. Like, yeah, we are just living life. We are. I mean, heck, I thought I thought thirty was old. You know <laughs> what I mean? And then I thought I was gonna have kids by twenty seven and do all these different things. I thought that's what I wanted because I I didn't realize how young your thirties really are and how much more you can do, especially like when you get to that point where you've learned all the lessons of your twenties and then you get to your thirties and like, you're like, damn it, I can do anything that I want, be create, have anything that I want. And that's when it's fun. I was like, I'm not ready to make babies just yet. This just got exciting. Although now at 35, now, now she's ready to make babies. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. It's so funny that you say that though, because I like my, on my mother's side, they had this thing where every generation, like going from my mom to my grandma, to my great grandma, to my great, great grandma, every single one of them at 20 started having babies. And so whenever I turned 20, I was like, Oh no, it's not happening here. Breaking the tradition. But also like I, I look forward to my 30s and so many people think I'm like, so I made like some bad jokes on my season of The Bachelor and it was like production, like egging me on. And they were like, call the girls over 30 cougars because The Bachelor was 26. And it was like, all I was just like, okay, like they're calling themselves that too. Like the girls were like, this is the cougar den. And so I just was like making jokes about it. And so some people were like, were claiming like I was ageist and all this stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, no way. Like, yeah, well, I mean, I get it. I was like, but I don't think 30 is old. Like I was just making a bad joke. I was just joking around. I look forward to my 30s. I feel like I'll hopefully have my shit together a little bit more. (laughs) You always do by your 30s, babe, honestly. And you don't even try and have your shit together in your 20s. That's the thing. Like I had my shit a little too together in my 20s. And I wish that I had a little bit more time of just freedom. Like I was a serial monogamist. I wish I wasn't. I wish I was out there living that single life carefree, just doing and building what I wanted to do. Now I did that in my thirties instead, you know, but uh, you don't even have to have your shit together in your twenties. You have so much time. I I always try to tell myself that, but then I feel like the pressure of everyone around me that is in their twenties and stuff. And they're like, Oh, like I need to be doing this and I need to be doing that and blah blah. And I'm like, I just want to play. Like I want to hang out and like let's get our work done and then let's like play around. And like I'm not trying to wake up in the morning and like vacuum and like you know act, like have a productive day and like be really productive. But then I feel guilty because everyone else around me is like pressuring that. They're like, oh, I haven't done enough today. I haven't been productive enough. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And I'm like, uh, it can wait. 
They can. And like the thing to remember for all of us when we have those moments where we're in compar- comparing ourselves to other people is their dialogue is not ours. Their journey is not ours. Their, their life choices are not ours. Their story is not ours. Whatever anybody else is doing, it doesn't actually matter. Whatever their belief system about what they're supposed to be doing at 20 is not yours. You know, and we should all be allowed to do exactly what you're doing. Like, it can wait. Do what you feel called to in the moment. And if what you feel called to do is to not to not settle into anything or not commit to anything, no matter what that is, and just explore, as you should, because there will come a time in life where you won't be able to, to just have that freedom. So why not make the most of it now while you can? I agree. I love that. I love like just being spontaneous, you know, and just like, oh, random trip or something comes up. I'll go. Why not? Yeah. Got nothing else to do. I love learning new things and channeling my creativity. During these hard times, I was struggling to find inspiration. Then I discovered Skillshare, an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. I can explore new skills and deepen existing passions. We are in a time when so many important conversations are happening in our world, and your voice is more essential than ever. Explore classes to unlock your creativity for social good. Skillshare offers creative classes designed for real life in all the circumstances that come with it. These lessons can teach you new things, help you stay inspired, express yourself, and introduce you to a new community. I love creating new things and playing around with making videos. That's why I took a class from Skillshare called Filming from Home, Turn Footage into a Compelling Video by Penny Lane. This class was so cool because it shows how to take found footage from the internet and compile it into your own film. I don't really like taking my own footage, but I love making videos, so this class taught me how to make my own videos with footage that already exists. I can be creative without having to operate a camera. I'm so grateful that my membership with Skillshare gives me the opportunity to stay inspired. Skillshare offers membership with meaning. There is so much to explore, projects to create, and the support of fellow creatives. Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. And there's no need to be intimidated. Skillshare has classes to fit your schedule and skill level. In-person classes and workshops are always so pricey. Skillshare is incredibly affordable. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. Explore your creativity and get two months free of premium membership at Skillshare.com Demi. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. Get started and join today by heading to Skillshare.com slash Demi. That's two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes at Skillshare.com slash Demi. That's S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E dot com slash Demi. So you said that you were in a monogamous relationship in your 20s? I was a serial monogamist. Like I was in one after the other, after the other, after the other. I hit 30 and I was like, holy shit, who am I without dating another dude? Like, what do I want to order off of Postmates if no one else is telling me what they want? Or what movie do I want to see? What music do I want to listen to? I was not good at having just my own company. And so I went through like a whole learning curve of like, Okay, I've been in a relationship pretty much since I was 15 from the next one to the next one. Like, it just didn't stop. I broke up with one. There was another boyfriend right there waiting. And it was just, it wasn't healthy because I didn't explore my own womanhood, who I was, what I wanted. And so all of that started for me in my 30s. You know, God, even like 
even sexually what you like you seem to women seem to always mold unless you've had that lesson of having your own voice in what you want in life in the bedroom in anywhere and so it wasn't until my 30s where I was like I don't like that and I don't want that and actually I want this and I want that in, in, in any part of life and so I vowed when I when I was 30 and I broke up with that last relationship um that I wasn't going to date anyone for at least 18 months to two years and just go through that, trying to figure out who I was. And it was really hard. You know, the first few months of that, you're just your own company of complete and utter, whether it was boredom, anxiety, all the things that set in because you don't have someone else taking your attention. I got two dogs for God's sake. So I was like, I can't handle this. <laughs> I must not be alone. <laughs> Um, and then, and then it got easier and then I loved it. And then I got so good at it that I was like, Oh my God, it's been three years since I've really been in a relationship. There's one of your cats behind you. Hi, cutie. Um, oh, so beautiful. Um, it got to like three years down the track and I was like, oh, I should probably start dating at this point. Like I'm having the time of my life. My career went from strength to strength. I went from strength to strength uh, and started doing, you know, a lot of the work that we, you know, that term gets thrown around, but like that therapy, diving into yourself and figuring out who you are. And it was both difficult and beautiful. And now I feel like that five years later at 35, I know exactly who I am and what I want. I won't settle. I don't have anxiety about not having it now. I'm completely content, self-sufficient and happy on my own. I have my community and I know that I'm now ready to welcome someone into my space instead of needing someone to be in my space to feel validated. And that was the biggest, most beautiful lesson that I could have gone through. And I'm so grateful for it. I am so fascinated by this because I saw that you had some YouTube videos and I didn't get a chance to watch them. But I saw you had some things about like self-love and self-worth. And like I basically went through the opposite thing. So I never had a serious relationship until recently in my life, like the past two years of like a couple serious relationships. And now I'm single again and I'm feeling that what you're saying you went through feeling like I need somebody like I I don't like being alone I want somebody to be with me and like cuddle me and like all this stuff where I used to be like oh I don't need anybody like it like I'm just gonna have fun and all of these things and so it's interesting to me because I feel like I lost a lot of my self-worth because I was I just want to be accommodating. And I like you said, like, what do you want to get from Postmates? Like, what do you want to watch and all this stuff? So I'm like struggling now because I'm like, I don't know anything. Like, I don't know what I want. Like, I don't know what to do. And I'm, I'm trying to, like, get past it and get back into, like, figuring out how to really value myself. But like, how would you advise someone? Like, what are your... I want to know a few things. Like one thing I want to know is like, what are your standards that you have? Cause I was going to ask you if you had like a set of standards and you said like you do, you know what you want. And like, I want to know what that is. And then I want to know like, how do you practice valuing yourself? Like what are good practices to like love yourself and value yourself? So the, the journey to loving yourself is, is a long and winding and beautiful bumpy road, right? It's, my, my first answer to people when, when they ask me that question is start practicing gratitude. Start to wake up every morning and set time to notice the beautiful things in your life. Set time to notice the beautiful things about you. We have so much trouble as human beings 
giving ourselves love and receiving love, receiving compliments from people. You know, I, I told you that you were beautiful. You say that you're not. You, you blush when I tell you that. We're terrible at accepting these things from other people. And it's also part of the problem is that we can't say it about ourselves. If we can't say it about ourselves, how are we ever going to believe what someone else is saying? And so I started with uh, practicing gratitude and it was it, as little as trying to write three things every morning about myself that I liked. And sometimes it was hard and sometimes I didn't really believe it. So you physically wrote it down? Yep. Right. I, I personally like the act of writing because I see it and it makes it real and it makes it something physical that I can look at instead of just a thought. And then that gratitude practice started to grow into giving out gratitude and love for the beautiful things in my life, the beautiful people in my life, the, the things that I've been through to get to where I am, noticing my own struggles and appreciating the lessons in those and noticing that I everything is a choice. You can either choose to ignore that um, there is something unsettled within you that you're not quite happy with you, or you can choose to see it, acknowledge it and work with it and try and understand. And it's only by facing these things can we actually understand where they come from? I had to do, again, this is such a big subject on self-love, but I had to do a lot of work in understanding why I had this desperate need for everybody to love me all the time. Why did I need everyone's approval? Whether it was fans online or friends in my circle, it was this need to, of approval from everybody. And it tracks all the way back to me being a kid. And you only get there by, and usually it does, there is usually a key situation that forms a set of beliefs when you're a child and you just build on that and build on that and build on that until it's a part of you. But it is a choice to let go of that and heal it. And so it very much, it's not just, you can't just get self-love by waking up one day and saying, I love myself and I'm going to choose to love myself because that's a Band-Aid on an axe wound. You need to actually be able to go back and figure out why you're in the position that you are. What is the programming that you have somehow built around yourself in your life just because of the environment you've been in. It's no one else's fault. It's just life. And then you make that choice to change it and to uh, take yourself in a, a different path. We all need help with self-love. Even the most secure of, of us have things. I struggle with it too. Some days I still wake up and I'm like, I feel like an absolute crumb today. I feel like no one notices me and no one cares about me. And this person hasn't texted me back. And it's so easy to get into this negative self-talk. But if you start doing the work, you can, you can step outside, sit into the uncomfortableness of it and go, okay, why does this bother me so much? And then you can kind of work through it. It's like you learn to do therapy for yourself in a way. So it's a really big subject, but I would say two things. Start with a gratitude practice and meditation and get a therapist. <laughs> Everybody um, needs a therapist. <laughs> I agree. Um, whenever you meditate, like, what do you do? Because um, I've never really meditated before. I've done it in like a group setting where you all just like, it's like, like I've done a couple sound baths, but I've never just like meditated by myself. Meditating on your own can be really, really hard. And it's kind of daunting for someone that's never done it. And sometimes I'm great at it. Sometimes I'm terrible at it. There are beautiful courses that you can do online. I think Ziva meditation is one of them. There are the calm apps. There's a lot of things with guided meditations where a, a voice and music will guide you through and into it. That is certainly how you should start. And also going into it, knowing there is no right or wrong. You know, when we're all learning and sitting into this and trying to figure it out, not everybody is going to be 
you know, Gandhi or the Dalai Lama at meditation it takes years of practice. Uh, but by, by taking moments for yourself every day to sit, concentrate on your breathing and listen to, if you need to, something that's guiding you through into your body and out of it with your thoughts. And it's a release of energy and breath work that changes. It actually changes your energy and your frequency. And so that helps you vibrate at a different level, at a better level, at a more in tune level with everything around you that is, um, that, you know, would bring you joy and happiness because you can connect to it. It shakes off the bad shit in a sense, which is kind of like what sound baths do. You know what I mean? Those gongs go through you and it vibrates through your body and it's just this release of energy. Meditation can give you that same, um, that same effect. And it's some, I think everybody should meditate for at least 10 minutes a day or at least just try. I love that because I, I, whenever I'm in a situation, I'm like going through something and I have a feeling about something, let's say like I feel angry or insecure or frustrated or annoyed or whatever it is. And I'm like, okay, I don't want it. Like I accept the feeling, but I don't want to feel it anymore. I just kind of like push it to the back of my brain or like just shut it out. And then I, I'll be over it and I'll like choose something else, but I'm not really that over it because then I will feel it. like something will trigger it. So I feel it again. And I'm like, I need to just like get it out. And I don't want to get it out because usually like it's like someone else is involved in that feeling. It's not just, you know, so then I'll, I'll still be thinking about that if I'm talking to the person instead of just like having like that time like that, where you can like actually just like change it and like change your energy and get it all out of you instead of me kind of like you said, slapping a bandaid on an ax wound. I love that. I really love that. Yeah. I think that might be an Aussie saying. It sounds like an Aussie saying. It sounds awesome. And I can't wait to say it to the next American I see. Yes. (laughs) And I I have all the credit for it. Um, But yeah, because whenever I did the sound baths, honestly, I was kind of just taking a nap. And I just felt really at peace. I wasn't like really focusing on what I was supposed to be doing. I was just like, oh, this feels good. I'm very relaxed. They're relaxing me. And I I did have even not like paying attention to what I was like processing. I still felt better afterwards. And like my energy felt so much different. So like if I really tuned into it, it would be way better. When you mix it with breath work and a consciousness of moving energy through you, for me, I'm a very visual person. So I imagine that my breath is a color and I breathe in one that feels pure and something that I want. And that that breath goes in almost like hands and it collects the the bad shit, the energy that I don't want, the thoughts that I don't like. And I watch it collect it and then push it out of my body. So for me, that visualization of physically, like if I have anxiety, I practice that. I breathe in and I imagine that this cool, beautiful blue air goes in and as hands, it grabs that knot in my stomach and ejects it out of my body as I release. And the visualization of that for me is a game changer. I love that so much. I'm definitely going to practice that. Yes, try it. What do you have anxiety about? Oh, girl, everything all the time. Like, we all get anxiety. Like, I mean, pandemic, for one. Like, it's changed everything. You know, I had a fully packed out year with things, and then that all canceled. And now it's trying to reassess how to do those and turn different certain projects into something else. Uh, How can we do them digitally? Uh, Everything is different. So it's, it's the new and the changing. You know, when I wasn't asked back for Dancing with the Stars, wild anxiety. It was my life and my identity for nine years. 
what am I going to do? Who am I without it? You know, there was, there are so many things that we attach ourselves to that we think are our, are our worth that we, we put our worth into, right? Whether it's our friends, our family, our job, our car, it doesn't matter. And we all do that. As much as I meditate, have gratitude practice, there are moments in the day where I, something will trigger me and I, I have to just remember to breathe to let it go. Sometimes I don't even know what it is and I'll wake up and I'm like, I have anxiety today. And I just try and sit and release the feeling without knowing what it is. It's hard always to, to zone in on what is making us feel a certain way. Sometimes they're unknown triggers. But if we can learn to just regulate our energy with breathing, it really does help you manage it and get through it. Because also when we don't, we push our shit onto other people. Energy is transferable. And I know me as a person, my energy can be so large that if I walk into a room and I'm anxious or insecure or feeling some type of way, everyone's going to feel it from me. I can, I feel myself like sucking their energy out. And I'm like, I, and then that makes me more anxious and like makes me like, I can't even speak. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like somebody put me in a room by myself. Yeah. We, we don't mean to be energy vampires, but we can be, you know, yeah. and it's just because we haven't checked in and regulated ourselves and we're, we're just kind of off the charts a little bit. We're all, we can all fall victim to it and we can all have someone else do it to us. So it's only by being mindful of our own energy that can we try and try and help that, you know, instead of taking it out into the world and just adding more bad energy into other people's space when they don't need it. What time of day do you typically meditate? Usually for me, it's in the morning. Sometimes it's before I work out. Sometimes it's after. I have the, we, you know, I have the gift right now of having not really a schedule that I need to stick to. So I'll wake up and I'll enjoy my morning coffee. I'll walk Everest and then I'll sit, do my gratitude practice and write things out. And then I'll put my headphones in and usually sit and meditate. Uh, if I'm feeling energetic and active, I'll go for a run first and then come back and then, and then sit into it. Cause I do find for me sometimes cause I'm so used to moving. If I have too much energy, I, my body won't settle into meditation because it just keeps wanting to go and do things. Uh, so if I go for a run, it will actually relax me and allow me to settle into it just a little bit more. Oh, I love I love this. This is good for me. Like I need something refreshing for my mental health. Like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I don't really know what to do. Like it's, you know, we're quarantined or like if I've been on like some work projects or something, I'm like, OK, well, I have, you know, a schedule and stuff. The majority of this quarantine, like I've been quarantined and I've been at home or I was at my ex's house and like we would wake up and we'd be like, what do we do today? And it was like, OK, maybe we'll like work out or I'm, I'm not like the biggest workout guru, but I kind of want to get into that because I think it's good for the endorphins. But to meditate and like I feel like that would just be so good. And I encourage all the listeners, if you haven't meditated, to try it because I'm going to try it and we can go on this journey together. You definitely, um, everyone should at least try, you know, and do it guided for sure. Yeah. And I love the whole picturing it as like colors and like hands and like throwing it out of you. That sounds so beautiful. How long do you do it for? 10 minutes? 30 minutes? I try, I try to do 20, but sometimes uh, like I just, I can't sit in it for that long. And sometimes I can and it's easy. But every day, at least 10 minutes for me. I love that. I'm definitely going to do that. (music) 
and we talked about relationships. Um, have you ever been in a toxic relationship? <laughs> All of them. Um, <laughs> when wasn't I in a toxic relationship? No, I. that was part of my, I got to, when at the end of my last relationship, and he was not a bad guy, but we turned into bad people for each other. We turned toxic. That's where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. It was bad. Like, the last two years we could have done without, in all honesty. But, you know, we, you stick it out because it's what's familiar. And unless you have started to become, you know, aware that you're worth more, that they're worth, worth more, that this isn't working, it's that fear of being alone, right? That, like, we don't want to let go of what we know, the devil you do instead of the devil you don't. And so you stay. And that's what I did. And But so many of my relationships, maybe not all of them, but many would turn toxic. And I used to think it's like, oh, I just picked bad boys or, oh, I just picked the wrong men. But the fact is because of my like quote unquote daddy issues, he could have been a great guy, but because I had unresolved issues from when I was growing up, I could turn any man into that. Not because they actively were, but you see what you want to see. You start to trigger on things and turn them into things. And so then I wasn't giving some of these guys an opportunity to show me really who they were because I was going in with these preconceived ideas that this is what that meant and that's what this meant. And then I would turn the relay. It wasn't always my fault. I'm not saying that, but it is a give and take. And so I realized when I got to the end of 30, I was like, it can't, it can't all be them. Like <laughs> I'm the common denominator. I've got, at some point I'm going to have to face this. And that's what it was. And it took actually a long time to get to that point where I realized that I could be, honestly, I think that was only even like in one of my retreats last year where I was having a, a session and, and we were talking while hiking. I was in Sedona and this woman was talking to me about that, that theory of how we can, if we have these unresolved issues and they are part of our programming, we can essentially just see what we think we we are um we repeat history in a sense we we create what we're comfortable with because going back again like part of all of that is we're all driven by the child inside of us right so there is the six-year-old me that developed these understandings of love or what that means or when this person leaves or what that does you you build these things that you believe about love and what it means the relationship that you look at being your mom and dad that's what represents love to you or whichever relationship impacted you most and so I kept searching for, even though it was wrong, what I thought love was, which is a very dysfunctional, toxic marriage that, um, you know, my parents eventually divorced, but that's what my representation of love was. So that's what I was turning a relationship into because that's where I felt comfortable, even though it was wrong. And that was a huge realization for me. And it's so, so much more in depth that I hope that makes sense. But it was a huge realization for me when I looked back and I thought, I can see how I've done that in moments. And again, I'm not blaming myself everything, but I can truly see how there were moments in relationships where I made something out to be bigger than what it was or turned it into something that it wasn't and then created the toxic relationship that I was used to. And so that was a huge lesson for me. Again, that was only a year ago that I had that like aha moment. Um, you know, we're always learning and we're always growing. So toxic relationships are hard and we become weirdly addicted to them. I I have a few notes on that because I think that's so interesting that you say that you're like, you're not blaming yourself, 
but you are being self-aware is what I'm seeing it as because I felt like I get glimpses of that. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why does this person suck? Like, why are they, you know, why are they this way and all of these things? And then I'm like, well, maybe I'm making a bigger deal out of this than it is. And so whenever I went to therapy and I had a therapist and I was like asking her about, you know, things that I, I was like, what's wrong with my relationship and all this stuff. All she did was like validate me instead of telling me that right there. And that's what I needed to hear. And you said you went to a, what was it? A retreat? I was at a retreat in Sedona. Yeah. And it was, it's like a, more of a spiritual side, but it definitely goes into like deep self-love and self-care and understanding work. And that's where a lot of that came from. That is exactly like what I needed to hear because I, I think that like our instincts are always like pretty on point. And so whenever I know, like I'm not a bad person, but like if I'm feeling a little guilty or I'm like, maybe, you know, like you said, maybe it's me. Cause like I, maybe I overreacted or something like, not all the time. There's definitely different there's circumstances, but I kind of know whenever I'm like, oh, man, like I wake up the next morning and I'm like, I think that I blew that all out of proportion and I created the toxic environment instead of just remaining like calm and, you know, it, it could have had a completely different outcome. So I, I think it's really brave of you and really mature that you like say that, you know, I I have a part in this, too. It's not just a person like this person isn't a monster. Like I have a part in it too. And I have to take responsibility. Um, It's an interesting thing. Like, and it's, that's also my situation. And certainly everyone's relationships are different. Uh, And I do not want anyone to, to think that it means you minimize your feelings or your opinions, but there is something to be said for looking at the way that we react and feel about things and figuring out why we feel so strongly that way. Like why, did I get so blown up about that one thing? What was it that made me? And it's usually a much more deeper reason. And then we, you know, we can, you know, look, maybe look from a a wider perspective at the relationship and our behavior in it. But there's a fine line, right? Because we also, as women, so often minimize the way that we feel. And then for so long, and then we blow up at something that could be insignificant but it's because we put up with so much shit for so long. And then it's the straw that broke the camel's back and that's it. Like unleash the beast. And, you know, again, that's like, they're all things that we have to learn to manage and honoring and saying how we feel at the time, but maybe not, not losing our temper with them and not trying to turn it toxic, but just having open communication of like, this is how I'm feeling right now. This is the story I'm telling myself and trying to, with your partner, have a conversation instead of that confrontation. Uh, that turns it into a toxic relationship. Absolutely. I I feel a lot better whenever I'm in an argument or something, if I can like keep my cool and be like more level headed. Yeah. Because then it's like, okay, I'm not going to get mad at you for hurting me or hurting my feelings or saying something like mean. I'm just going to be like, that was like unnecessary. And I understand you're saying that because you're hurt about something and you want to hurt me. But we don't have to communicate like that. Like, let's just talk normally and like being a lot healthier. But like, sometimes it's too far gone. No, sometimes it's impossible. Like sometimes our emotions. I'm a raging bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a raging bitch. Yes. Whenever I get mad and I'm in a relationship, you better 
and run for the hills. Like I, because I'm gonna remember what you did in 2017, like, 19, 11, all of this. I'm like, I'm sending receipts of everything you've ever done, and like, yeah, I'm, I'm way too much. But I'm trying not to be like that, and like. I don't know. I'm just trying to be more mature with it because obviously that hasn't been working out. But it's funny because like you said, everything, every question that I had on here, you like kind of reference. Like I wrote down some questions for you about all this because I'm very interested in this since I'm like kind of going through this. So uh, you said about how we always stay in a toxic relationship because it's comfortable. And I had written, um, how do you how do you put the love you have for them aside and move on because you know it's healthier for both of you? It's so hard to have self-control when so much love or infatuation is involved. So like how do you move on from a toxic relationship and like how do you channel like your own self-worth into that and also the worth of like the other person? Like how like do you have any like strategies of how to actually just like maybe distractions or something like that? It's interesting. I mean, I think that's such a, it's almost a hard question to answer, but you have to figure out why you're in the toxic relationship because it's not, it's honestly not what you think. And it's not what you say at the top of your head. It's not because they love you or you love them. It's, it's not, there is a deeper underlying reason as to why you're staying there. And maybe it's simply that you don't think anyone else can love you. Maybe it as, it as, it as, it is as deep and raw as you don't think that you're enough for anyone else and this is the best you're ever going to get. And the fact is that if you're staying in that toxic relationship, that is genuinely all you think you're worth. You don't believe that you're, you're worthy of being happy. You don't believe that you're worthy of great love and you don't believe that there's anyone out there that can give you that. And that in itself is more the problem, that your self-worth is lower than the ground. And that's where you've got to do the work because at this point you don't even have self-worth to put before this relationship. So if you, if you want to try and get out of a toxic relationship, first of all, it takes so much strength to leave because you're addicted to it and you're terrified of leaving it. And secondly, you've got a lot of work to do on finding your self-worth. So the biggest and the, the, the boldest and the hardest move is to leave. But if you can't do that first and you're terrified of it, I say start going to therapy and understanding why you believe that this is the best thing that you can possibly get. And you don't have to share with that person or that partner. Definitely some people have such toxic relationships. They can also be very dangerous for women, you know, to to show that they're trying to leave or move on. You never know. Um, But go on your own personal journey of trying to understand why you think you can't do better than you already have. Because they're only your insecurities that are talking and they're not true. They're things that you've built up in your own head or maybe that your partner's told you or that you learned somewhere along the line. But the truth is none of that is fact and that everyone is worthy of happiness and great love and everybody has someone out there that can give that to them. We just struggle to believe that sometimes. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. It's like, I don't know, you feel like, like I so I just got out of a relationship and uh we like still talk like every day and it's like, I feel like I'm in a relationship, but not in a relationship. And it's like, there's moments where I feel so like I'm over this and I don't need this in my life. And like, this is still toxic. But then there's this part of me that's like, but I love him. And like, I don't, I don't want him to go away forever. I don't want to see him with someone else. Like, you know, I don't know. 
is it just like selfish, do you think? Or do you think it's just because maybe some underlying fears? I think it's underlying fears. I don't think it's selfish. I think that it's it's fear. I think that it's fear that if he moves on to someone else, that that means they're better than you. And I think that it's fear that if you don't have him and this attention from him, then who's going to give it to you? Yeah. Because we do that and it's subconscious. We don't need to, but that little bit of communication and attention means that there's someone that still has this interest or care enough to give you time that you don't need it. And it's certainly not, if it's not going to turn into something and it's only holding you back from actually putting yourself out there to be with someone else, it's detrimental to you. It's not healthy for you. It's not allowing you to move on. So you're holding on to it for your own reasons, not through being selfish at all. And you should never call it being selfish, you know, but it is through something else for sure. Insecurities and fear. Oh, being a human is hard. It's hard. Being a human is real tough and adulting is, you know, it's a lot. It's even harder. Uh, like everything about it is so hard. I'm like, uh, nobody warned me about this. Yeah, no, no one warns you and no one tells you. And it's hard because you th- you see some people and you're like, why are they so good at it? Why are they just so good at life? Why are they so happy all the time? How? You know, but I mean, also, you know, everyone has a, a whole other life behind closed doors and everyone battles with their things. Um, and I think it's, again, we go back to the comparison. It's it's so important to remember that, no, it, first of all, nobody is their Instagram feed ever. I agree with that. No one is sitting on a beach every day unless they are, but they're still not that happy on the beach. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm also not my Instagram feed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody is. I'm the so first of all, remember that. Sorry. I said, uh, I'm not at all. I'm the furthest thing from my Instagram feed. Like that's, I remember like always thinking like how cool it'd be like to be an influencer and have a bunch of followers. And then I got them all and I was like, I'm just as unhappy and like sad and mad and all the things that I was before all of this. And all these people think that I'm just happy, go lucky. I'm so real, confident, like I'm still insecure. I'm still like, you're still still human, baby. You're still human. You have all the same shit you did before you got all that. You had all these people that love you and want to follow you and hear what you have to say. You doesn't change you as a person. You still have all your things. We all do. Um, So I think we have to remember to not compare ourselves. You know, your fans can't compare themselves to you and your, you can't compare yourselves to your friends or, you know, someone else you watch on TV everyone's life is different. Everyone has their own struggles. And the more we obsess about other people's lives is the longer we put our own on hold. Oh my gosh. That's so, so true. I love hearing that. And I, that's a great message. Everyone write that down. Like stop comparing yourselves to other people because you're just prolonging taking care of yourself. Yeah. Living your own life. Uh, My producer sent me a message and said that you uh, this is a complete change of subject, but she said that you were supposed to be the bachelorette. Ah, so in Australia, they offered it to me a couple of times, actually, because um, I judged Dancing with the Stars in Australia. And I considered it long and hard and thought about it, but it didn't feel right for me. I love The Bachelor and The Bachelor. And I think the shows are amazing, but also my life is here. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's tough. And while, you know, maybe they have an American guy on the cast and that's what works out, but the, it just didn't feel like it lined up right. And who's to say that next year it won't? I mean, if listen, if I'm still 36 and single next year, 
I'll be calling the bachelor and be like, okay, let's do this. I need some help. But it just, it didn't feel right this year for me. And then listen, look, COVID hit and pandemic and it's postponed and all the things. Um, but I was really, really excited about it for a period of time. And then I got real nervous. It's like a whole world that I, it, it's a lot. Like, it's a, especially if you're the bachelor or the bachelorette, I just can't imagine that pressure of, of so many people. <laughs> uh, yeah. And also like, it's crazy hours. Like, obviously I wasn't the bachelorette, but like Hannah was, and she said it was like crazy hours. She, you know, didn't get a lot of rest, but I mean, I would love to watch you as that, but I agree with the whole COVID thing. You're like, no, nah, this ain't the season for you. You need a regular season. Yeah. Yeah. Then no, I need a regular season. And, and again, like if it comes around again, then maybe that's when it's the right time. But I've always been really good about following my gut um, and following my nose as my mom used to say it, hmm. but <laughs> she's so cute. But something didn't sit right. As as excited as I was, and as much as I love the franchise and the show, I still there was something in there saying not this time. No, it was just every time I went to say yes, there was something that went tight on the inside of me, and I was like, well, I can't ignore this, you know. And it's not because I don't have love for the show or I wouldn't want to do it ever. It just for some reason right now doesn't seem like the right time. So, and I, I, maybe I'll never know what that reason was, uh, but it just it didn't feel right. And I don't regret the decision either. Well, certainly because it's not happened yet, but I don't regret the decision either. I think honestly, if I was to do it, it, it would probably make more sense for me to do it here than it, than it would make for me, than for me to do it in Australia. But I don't know if I would even get to do it here. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a whole different thing. So I don't yeah. know, but it would have been cool. <laughs> I think that's really it's it's very inspiring to me because I know that um, it is like an opportunity to like, you know, get more fame and stuff. And you're not looking at it in that perspective. You're looking at it as, am I ready to like, actually like find my person and like the logistics of it all? Like, am I, you know, in, instead of just being like, oh yeah, an opportunity to get more like followers and stuff like that, which is what I'm so used to. And like things that I, I mean, I would do that, you know? So it's, I like, the way that you're looking at it and it's like inspiring me to be more in tune with myself and a better person and not just jump at opportunities because uh it's gonna give me clout um where do you live at i am uh up in the hills the hollywood sign is right by me i'm coming over <laughs> yes come on over come hang out with me in everest where are you um i'm in sherman oaks oh you're so close to me yeah oh my gosh we gotta hang out and I want to ask you, like, I'm supposed to be wrapping it up soon. Um, but I, I have to ask you this because I remember your hair, your red hair and how fabulous I was. And I'm loving the blonde on you. Is it like blonde with a little pink tint? Yes, it's washed out a little bit now. But I decided it was time. You know, I was this redheaded dancer from Dancing with the Stars for about six years. And it was beautiful and wonderful. And it's certainly when people started to notice me. And it was one of those things I attached my identity to. And this last year, I've grown and changed so much that I was like, I need a change too. Like, I, I love this red hair, but she's done her job. You know what I mean? It's time to find something else. And then I finally did this. And first of all, miracle that my color is Kennedy Van Dyke even got it this color so quickly because that red was really in there. Oh, yeah. Um, it was, And solid. But that she got it to this. was The blonde color itself is just so beautiful. 
And I, I feel like it's taken five years off me. I looked in the mirror. I was like, why did I not do this long ago? You seriously, you look 20 years old. It looks so beautiful on you. And I love it. I love when people go blonde. I'm always like, yes, please come over. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the wild thing is I'm a natural blonde. I mean, my roots are a little darker than this, than this blonde. Yeah, but it's just like dirty blonde. But um, yeah, it's a dirty blonde. But I haven't been blonde since I was 14. You've been red that long? No, I was jet black for a long time because of dancing. And as a teenager, I was like black and every crazy color punk hair under the sun you could imagine. Um, it was quite a harrowing story about how I was no longer blonde. Um, it was a dance coach that, long story short, told me I looked too young, sent me to a colorist. I had long blonde hair down to my butt, grabbed my ponytail at the base of my neck, chopped it, and then I came out with an asymmetrical <laughs> cherry black-like colored bob. And I was like, I had, like, baby fat on my face. I, was, I looked like a boy. And so I didn't go to school for a week, and it was harrowing. Oh. Um, it was terrible. But now, you know, and then I haven't been blonde ever since because it worked for dancing and you know, whatnot. But so now I'm blonde again. My dad cried when he saw it. So happy. He was so happy because it reminded him of his, his little blonde girl. You know what I mean? My dad never wanted me to do anything to my hair. And like, he would never let, whenever I was a kid, like I could never cut it or dye it or anything. And then whenever I was 18, I said, I want to dye it black. And I dyed it black and I got bangs. And then nobody recognized me. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, it was fun. And then I went back blonde and um, I haven't been back since because it's the easiest. Whenever you're a natural blonde having blonde hair, it's like no work. Yeah, it's no. Like even when I was red, the minute my roots started to grow out, like I would look bald from far away because the roots are so light. (laughs) Yes, I know exactly what you mean. It looks so weird. Weird. I'm Max Trukovsky, good friend of mine, another one from another guy from the show. Um he looked at me as like, Shanishka, this this needed to happen. He's like, you look amazing. You should have done this years ago. I was like, yes, I, I know. Thank you so much. <laughs> Max, that's with PETA? Yeah, Max and Pete. Yeah. He's the one who taught me how to salsa. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yes. I kind of forgot, though, honestly. It's fine. I can give you more salsa lessons. Oh, I gotcha. teach me how to dance. Let's hang out and dance. Um, Okay, well, I have to wrap this up because I'll go on forever. But you look absolutely stunning with your blonde hair. And... I love talking to you. I feel like you are my therapist now. Like you just gave me so many good, healthy tips to try and like beautiful way of thinking about things. And uh, yeah, I just really I respect you so much and I admire you. Um, So I know that you have an amazing YouTube, TikTok, Instagram and blog that everyone can find on the link in your bio on your Instagram. Will you just give us that at sign and what it is? So go to my Instagram, which is at Shana Burgess, and then you can just go to where the little link tree is in the link on the on the bio, and that will take you to all the links. Yeah, it's actually so useful. I love that. I was like, why have I never thought of this? It's perfect. And she's hilarious on TikTok, and her uh, YouTube is very interesting. I love it. She's also, like, really, obviously, she's got an amazing body. She's into, like, fitness and, like, eating healthy, so all the good things that us girls are obsessed with. So thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure, Demi. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. We'll have to exchange numbers and I'll have to come over. Yes, definitely. You must. Yes, let's meditate together. Wait, do you meditate with people? You can. 
I mean, yeah, the sound baths. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I'm down. We'll do it together. All right. Thank you. Bye, beautiful. Bye, babe. Aww.